Welcome back to season two of the Run Culture Podcast. My name is Dane Verway. I'm an experienced running physiotherapist, coach, and marathoner. This season will involve open discussions with my running colleagues about the key principles behind injury-free running and optimal performance. It'll be backed by personal experience, science, and history. I can only hope some of these chats inspire curiosity and expand or confirm perspectives and beliefs amongst the running community. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode. This week, back on the Better With Running podcast, we have a friend of the show, Dane Verway. He's a multiple-time Australian World Cross Country team physiotherapist. He's been over to Tokyo for the um, the Olympics. He was on the team there for the Paralympics um, physio. Uh, he's worked with some walkers in the past. He's a run culture head coach. He's a fellow podcaster with um, Run Culture Podcast, 222 marathoner, and also actually he's the second fastest ever over 50k on the track he ran 252 i think that was back in uh in the covid times and um yeah he's just an all-round running nothing which we love and uh yeah good to <laughs> good to catch up we're gonna chat about some pretty fun um some pretty interesting topics that he encounters uh as a physio and a coach and uh, welcome back to the show dano well thanks Zachary. yeah always wrap to be on the show um that intro was a bit too long <laughs> <laughs> I like what? the all-round running nuffy. Like that was probably the. Um, that's all we need, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Chris O's here with us as well. So we're um yeah, I guess the two of us as coaches, we um we we love picking your brain on some things that you know you're you're obviously coaching, but as from the physio side as well, it's um it's always good to hear about some things you're probably encountering day to day when you're seeing runners. But um, mate. Actually, firstly, how's your running going? We haven't really. I think last time we were on, you were you were running training pretty well, and then I saw you pop up um, on uh, in some photos, having a bit of a duel with uh, old mattress of Matty Davy, who uh, yeah, you got the chocolates over even the ten k. Oh yeah, that was um yeah, that was a great race actually. Like I've grown up with Matt, and you know since twenty eleven, I used to live with him and um, did seven years of training with Matt, so. You know, there's 600 people out there roughly on that day. And then to suddenly be like um, toe for toe with Matt at seven Ks. <laughs> and then the last three Ks, like, yeah, just throwing punches at each other and <laughs> um, trying to get the wood over him. And yeah, I knew if I was with him with like eight, 500 meters to go, like I've generally um, over time had a better kick than him. So I just needed to keep up with him. Um, but yeah, it was that was good fun. And, um, I've really enjoyed the cross country season. Like as you, you two have, um, the AV cross country season and running for Franks and then trying to get the team to go well and try to get them back up into division one, uh, and just trying to get fitter and, and feel like I'm improving as the season goes and used each race as a bit of a goal to structure my training and, and then just trying to keep up with the young kids I coach and, 
yeah, that that's kept me young and kept me enthused about the sport. And it's made me do the one percenters, like the running drills and the uh, work on a bit more speed uh, compared to a couple of years ago. I'm doing way less kilometers mm. with Riley, um, a young um, daughter who's nine months now. And it's just been more manageable time-wise. And it's meant my Achilles is way less sore, which has meant I've been able to do a lot more time in spikes and faster stuff. But in just recent recent weeks, ever since Albert Park, my my calf muscles and shins have been a bit tired and tight. Um, and I think it's just I've been able to do um, some intensity that I haven't done for a long time. Um, and, you know, maybe just a fall out of that. Um, so... I've just sort of taken it pretty easy the last two or three weeks to try to try to get my calves and shins to recover. Yeah. No, good stuff, mate. It's, a, it's been a big AV season as well with all those back-to-back -back races. How have you found sort of getting back into regular racing again? Oh, it's been awesome. Um, yeah, like it's so good, just that team vibe. Um, yeah, like just uh, getting around like all the others in the team and like we've had like a pretty um, tough tussle with Mentone. They've just got so much depth, uh, whereas we've just got six or seven sort of solid guys and we're just trying to just try and manage that team and get them there each week. And um, so good, like running for more than yourself. Um, and um, yeah, seeing everyone, you know, get around and and have a good result. And then, you know, one, one round, I think Bandura, we got over, we beat Mentone, which was like, that was cool. Um, but yeah, it's so good to just like have the regular um, home and away season going on and, um, and not be struck down in lockdown and uh, yeah, like have, have goals and things to aim for. It's been great. With the young crew that you've got, um, they're obviously doing a lot of races now. Um, how have you been managing the load with all the, you know, lots of you know, races for every two weeks? You've got some young guys, you've got people come back from injuries. Um, what's been some of the key messages going into those, those races and, and even coming off them? Yeah, we've actually done really well. Um, we haven't had an injury all year out of any of the squad. Um, and I think that's largely down to um they're all starting i mean we just did the maths um on the weekend i think we've been together now for three and a half years mm. so yeah maybe they're sort of starting to get some foundational strength they're not exactly new to the sport um yeah they've been racing a little bit more but they're all starting to buy into the idea of like oh okay it's race week we need an easier week before it or oh, we've just had a race let's take it really easy on tuesday they're starting to um comprehend that a little bit more here and there there's still the times where they get a bit obsessed with the watch and and overtrain um here and there but their volume's pretty low um still being pretty gentle with them all being like young 20s um i do the training schedule like every sunday uh once a week probably pretty similar to how you guys coach um and because i'm on the ground with them three times a week i get a really good feel of where they're at and um what's going on in their life and and how how like you know why did so-and-so struggle with the last four reps and you you have a chat and and you realize that they're a bit tired at the moment so then you just um schedule in an easier week so I think the fact that um they're really they're starting to acknowledge that um those aspects are really important for like consistency and staying 
staying um, injury free. I don't know. So far, we've had a, I better not jinx it, but had a good, <laughs> good year of no injury. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have had a lot of injuries in the past, a lot of stresses. Um, uh, and and that that's also just been like working out each athlete. Um, you know, one athlete does a lot more drills and coordination than the next athlete. Um, and, you know, one athlete does a lot more rowing and bike than the next athlete. And whereas one athlete that runs every day because um, he, he hasn't got injured for six, seven years. So it's just a lot of individualization and um, learning, learning about each other as we go. And because we've been a group, a solid group for a while now, um, this year has been pretty good. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So it sort of sets from even um, observing the group and, and jumping in and in and out that you, they're learning to become a probably a bit more independent, like, not so dependent on you, which is, a, I think as a coach is a good thing that they start to acknowledge and, you know, because you can't be with them 24-7 and they're, um, they've got an easy run and, you know, you've you kind of developed that trust with your athletes that they're, they're not, they're buying into the program and the overall week program, race goals. And, yeah, they become a lot, um, they just train within themselves a lot more and become independent. And I think, even for you, Chris, though, you might notice with your, some of the athletes you started with on the journey and you just see them grow with you along the way and they start to really become quite independent as to how they hit their sessions and workouts and runs. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, as, as much as it, it is about getting physically better, it's also learning about what they're doing, that, um, you know, understanding why little things like warm-ups are important. I know with some of my athletes, um you know even breaking it down to some enjoy a little progressive effort throughout the last few minutes of their warm-up um, whereas others just try to take it like have a real easy jog and then go and do a handful of strides and for some that might be three to four strides others might like to do six to eight it's just um you know learning what works best for each athlete and that there's no i guess box of magic tricks where one size fits all it's all about getting to know who you're running with um, their strengths their weaknesses you know what they need to work on and what they enjoy hey dano just switching gears mate your your podcast run culture you go through a, a range of topics um yeah if anyone hasn't listened definitely jump on because there's dane's done a lot of work on um yeah range of running related topics and um a couple that I guess something that you that we probably want to discuss, and and you're um, you're the man to chat about this is um, binary bias, and um, yeah, you, you flicked it through, and uh, and Chris and I were a little bit like, okay, yeah, Dana, you're gonna have to take the reins here, and um, <laughs> we can learn, we can all learn along the way. So um, yeah, this this is something you obviously encounter in the in physio and it, and it's, as a coach, but um, yeah, we'd love to hear a bit more about it. Yeah, so um, yeah, I approached you, Zach, and I'm like. Cause I just like talking about concepts like this that are probably like a little bit not spoken about. Um, but there's still traps that we can fall into and binary bias. Like if I was to put it simply with how I understand it, it means black and white thinking. So you're either all in thinking about some concept um, in one way and you just think you just fully pin your hopes on that idea. And, and you don't think that the other uh, white side or the other opposite side of the coin matters. Um, so for example, like uh, in terms of training modalities, you might be 
um, all about strength training and then you just don't worry about stretching. Um, or you might be, uh, yeah, all about barefoot running and then um, not about like running shoes at all. Um, so you're just on, you're on one side of the scale and not on the other side of the scale at all. Um, uh, and why this bias exists is because it, ma it makes life simpler. It, it makes um, concepts easier to understand. Um, it makes we it makes us feel like um, uh, a bit more in control. And um, uh, but that's only if that bias is serving you well. So say that you've got a binary bias and you're like, oh, running's all about strength training, and you are quite weak because um, you're just new to running, um, and you can see that the strength training is helping you running. That's fantastic. But then over to the course of two or three years, you keep doing the same strength exercises. And you notice that it's not helping your running anymore, like you're just not getting better. Um, there's diminishing returns. So you might have to go, oh, okay, well, maybe I need to change these exercises up. Um, maybe I need to talk to someone, like what are some other concepts of fitness and uh, physical health um, that I could um, look at? Um, and uh, yeah, how can that change performance? So um, like as humans, like we're made up of muscles, we're made up of joints, we're made up of connective tissue. Um, we've got our brain and all the neural circuitry that that consists of. Um, so we just aren't muscles, you know. So there will come a time where doing strength training like reaches a, a redundant kind of point. Um, and, uh, and then you've just got to acknowledge that, oh, okay, maybe I need to change my bias and um, on, on that particular modality. And um, yeah, maybe I need to see someone and get assessed like, oh, they looked at my running technique and they reckon my timing and coordination could be better. So maybe I need to add some plyometrics in um, and get better timing. Maybe I need to do some more running drills or they've assessed me and yeah, I'm really strong, but it doesn't matter because I can't get in the right positions because I'm so tight. So like, I've got to get more flexibility. I've got to go do some yoga and Pilates so that I can um, utilize that strength. So suddenly um, your idea of um, strength training comes a bit more complex and you're starting to integrate some coordination, um, some stretching and some strength training into the mix to, to potentially move better perform better and get over an injury that sort of like um, uh, doing your head in and you can't get past it. Um, so yeah, but that idea that um, we can get stuck um, in a, a bit of a, um, a binary bias and, and questioning those biases because at times they'll be serving, but then sometimes they'll become actually like something holding us back. Um, and that's not to overcomplicate the sport of running, um, like, but it is to acknowledge that running is more than just strength. Like you need to, um, like you need to be strong, but you also need to like hit the ground at the right time. So that's coordination, and you need to be able to move your joints into positions that allow for good force application. So that's flexibility. So um, that's acknowledging um, the idea that. Um, yeah, like you're just not going to fix everything by doing a few squats and um, calf raises um, and then thinking that that's strength training um, for the next five years. Um, yeah, 
I've got a really good example, um, but yeah, I don't know if that's a, if you guys want to. Um, yeah, go with that. Right? Oh, um, yeah, one of the kids I coach, uh, he was doing strength training for the last two months and uh, it helped him to an extent and it helped his, uh, he just looked like he was moving better. Um, he's had to back off his running volume because of like quite a few injuries over the last um, couple of years caught a couple of stress fractures so he just can't tolerate the same amount of running mm. so we're like you can you can and and we just knew like he, physically he, he could be stronger like there was aspects of physical strength where he had so much room for improvement so we we did that and he improved in his strength but um uh his balance wasn't improving and i was just like oh why isn't his balance improving like he's doing like um uh, all these strength exercises and we ended up doing some um, drills, running drills and some uh, balance work and it, his balance just wouldn't improve. Um, and in the end, um, I got him in the physio rooms and um, we just had like this massive appointment where we just like talked and talked and talked. And he, he, he told me like how he feels when he, when he runs and he's like, I just feel locked up through um, my spine and, um, and he moves like that. He moves like it's just like one and doesn't move free. Mm. And so we worked on breathing and he's, he couldn't breathe through the base of his lungs. Um, he did, he, he breathed all up top and, and we worked on like just being able to move his spine and do some stretches. Um, and then acutely just within like 10, 15 minutes, um, his balance was a whole heap better on all these little balance tests. And I know this is a sample size of one and everyone's so different. Um, and what we did with him is, isn't going to work for the next person, but that's what I'm trying to get at. Like there's nuances like in training. Um, and for him, like what worked for the next person wasn't working and um, getting him to like better move his spine and be a bit more acutely aware of how to like um, uh, that. He's just tense and rigid up top got him maybe more reflexively better at balancing i don't know why it worked but it, it was helping and it's helped ever since um so i mean that's just just one one sample of how thinking a bit left of field and, and you know if you told me that i was going to work on breathing with someone five years ago i would have been like pulling my leg like, yeah. like that feels so like alternative and mm. um uh different and and not what like hard science would say but I think sometimes that's where it's really hard to hard to have a study that shows that oh breathing will help balance because for some people it won't because they're all over it but um, for a select sample size and a select group of people it will. Don't know. Question. Um, I think like as coaches we can sometimes it's some biases are probably easier to spot than others, um, but as people is more so for the athletes that we coach, people can be resistant to change as well because I think sometimes they'll they go, no, no, this is the same way I've done it the whole time. Mm. Um, it seems to be going all right. And they they sort of refuse to, um, I guess, consider other alternatives in the, in the, I guess, in the instance they may go backwards. But um, how would you introduce, um, I guess, a change to someone who does have a, a bias who might be a bit resistant to that? Oh yeah, that's like that's such a good question, Chris. Because like, um, I know there's no simple answer. Yeah, to that. That, that's something that I've battled <laughs> with. Like, like I, 
I've gone to heaps of courses on behavioral change um, like over the years because it's like a question that I like I've just battled with. Um, and yeah, I, I, I've started like, and you know, there's a, no right or wrong, but just in recent times, like I feel like getting the person to feel what you're trying to um, promote experientially themselves goes a long way. So um, like, you know, as a physio, um, like I would try to get them to experience something and, and, and a small acute change um, in the rooms to show them that, hey, like this might have some legs. Um, like, you know, this is something worth considering. Um, but just acknowledging that like behavior change, you know, doesn't happen in like one discussion. It's like layers and layers of discussions. And, um, uh, and, and it might just be like, they need to fail a lot and a lot and a lot and they just get to their wits end before they consider it. Um, and it, and it, and it might be rock bottom when, um, by the time they actually consider it. But, um, the more people they hear it from and different sources. So like potentially pointing them in credible directions of like literature or other people that you respect that have a similar vein of thought that you think might be useful is quite powerful. And the more different sources that they hear that same broken record of like, nah, try this. Um, then they're more likely to come across to the idea, but no, I totally agree. Like it, a lot of us runners are stubborn. And if something's worked once for us, then we're glued to that idea and fixated to it and think that that's the one way to solve everything. And we start to get that binary bias. Um, but yeah, there are big rocks where, um, like there are biases in training that we should, you know, fixate to because they are self-cert, they do help us. Um, um, binary bias is useful. Um, it's helped me understand running. Like I know that, you know, to a certain extent, like you need to run a certain amount of volume to get better. Um, you, you need to have rest days to recover. Um, you need to eat well, you need to sleep well. Like there are, you know, big cornerstones that we should, um, you know, we know are important. Um, uh, but it, it's probably more those like sort of um, uh, the next tier down the the the, the uh, like um, yeah the strength training the the types of training like there's so many ways to skin a cat um, and I've even learned that this year just with the way that it, um, yeah I, I've I've trained it's very differently according to other years where I've just been marathon upon marathon like high volume um, but then I still felt like running less but focusing more on technique and and strength and um uh speed um has led to a good performance um this year and it's been a completely different approach um uh yeah in saying that i've probably got a background of like a lot of volume in the legs and it's it's a compounding effect of all the training i've done but yeah i i don't know great question i don't know how do you go about <laughs> um behavior change yeah it's oh, yeah it's a hard one and that's why i ask because i have a real interest in it i have a real i guess as a coach i have a real interest in people and um for me i like to try and understand why they're doing the things that they're doing um you know what what you know is, is it because they enjoy it is it because that's what they've been told is the right thing to do is it because that's what they've always done is it they're just copying their mates um so i, I try and understand 
I guess, their, their rationale behind it. And it might be something I completely disagree with, but I don't think you can really help someone change with anything until you understand it completely from their point of view. And then once you understand from their point of view, I think you can just gradually chip away um, and sort of introduce different ideas and concepts and sort of relate, like if you can show that you understand where they're coming from, um, I think it helps build up a bit of that rapport and respect as well. So that, because I think as people, they get quite defensive when, you know, and this isn't everyone, but I think that we, our tendencies are, we tend to get defensive um, at even the slightest bit of criticism or perceived criticism. So I think um, just trying to understand on their level why they're doing the things that they're doing. And then if you can provide an example or, um, you know, as you touched on, just um, to help them feel something or almost empower them to think that it's their idea as well, because um, it just gives them a bit more ownership of, of the change as well. Um, yeah, they're probably just little things that I try. And that's what, you know, I, I primarily work with rec runners who are fairly new. So they're probably a little bit more open to change because they don't have those years and years and years of one way, same way. Um, yeah, but I know like my, at my um, Shep Runners Club, so this year we've just started doing drills um, before we go and do a session. And um, I think the nice way to put it is that some people were resistant to that change and couldn't see the value in it. Mm. Um, but I sort of said to them, well, you know, if you go back to park run at Shepparton three or four years ago, none of you did warm-ups either now. And now mm -hmm. you don't really see anyone around the meeting area um, with 10 or 15 minutes to go because you're all out doing your warm-ups. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is just another extension of that. Um, and I think if you were trying to get them to do them in you know one-on-one, -on -one, they wouldn't do it. But because we've got sort of 25, 30 people there doing the same thing, there's that buy-in because, I, oh, well, if he's doing it, I'll do it. And, oh, he doesn't look super smooth at it, so I don't mind having a go at it too. So there's sort of, um, I guess, a bit of that group mentality that, hey, I don't want to be the one standing off to the side not giving it a go because um, then it looks like I'm not trying. So, yeah, it's sort of, I don't know, as I guess you touched on, but um, I was just interested in your insights, mate, just to sort of see what what like you said it so well there like I, I totally agree with um like understanding the why like that like yeah you so, said it so well I couldn't say it any better um uh but it, one thing with drills that I found help how has helped buying and like buy-in um and one thing that the kids that I coach um absolutely gawked at and they're like what the hell is he doing now um, <laughs> like I've got these um little um mini hurdles from Kmart and I put 10 of them out and I put them about four or five feet apart and I got them all to sprint over them. It's called a, it's a, it's, um, a sprinter's drill, like a lot of sprinters do it. But once they did it a bit, they could feel how like they just felt awesome across the ground. Like something, you know, Brad Croker says from, you know, Inside Running Podcast, like just feels good across the ground. It's that feeling. Mm. If you can get them to feel like, oh, wow, that that feels like really good movement. Um then they're more likely to see the relevance. Um, whereas like uh, I've also done a bit of coaching at Turak College at the moment, really getting them to buy into the drills, like they do it, but it's just because it's a ritual now. And I, I think they kind of do it and they chat to their friend next to them and they don't really like, they're not intentional and they're not attentive and they don't sort of like 
probably get the best out of it. Like maybe they get a bit of blood flow and, and it warms their muscles up as part of the warm up. But really like they train that like nice coordination and that awesome timing that you see the Kenyans have. Um, like I, I feel like um, the wickets do that well. And, and then once you get like an athlete to feel that nice timing, they're like, oh yeah, I'm doing this as part of my warm up because it makes me just feel uh, really good. Um, and then I, I can tap into that feeling when I'm out on a long run and getting quite fatigued um, and uh, start moving across the ground better. Yeah, I, I mean, I echo what where Chris is um, in terms of, yeah, that behaviour change. But I was just that those examples are, are really critical, like being able to give that real-world examples and say, you know, but I do a lot with marathoners and they can get obsessed with the Ks that someone's, like maybe what they've done to run under three hours last time. And it's like, well, how come we're doing less? But, and then but there's been a, been a changes in the workouts or there's been some, and, and just showing them that, Hey, there's actually like, you know, athletes that, you know, that are running a lot faster than you that might be doing less, like you may be doing more K so we can do less. So, you know, just things like that where um, yeah, it's not a one size fits all. And I think that just, yeah, giving examples, is, it really helps because a lot of the time they feel like they're taking a risk. It's like, well, this is what I've done. Um, it seems to be kind of working, but like if we change this up, like what's going to happen? And, you know, we don't always get it right. Like, you know, sometimes you do have to, to make a couple of changes and it doesn't go right. Well, you try something else, but rather than just sticking with the status quo and just going through the emotion, sometimes, yeah, um, getting the athlete to kind of have a go at something different and, and adding something in. And yeah, for me, I find, um, yeah, those examples are critical. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that, there's that bias to, towards the quantitative um, side of running big time, like mm. anything that you can measure that gives you objective numbers, like people gravitate, gravitate towards that because it gives structure and it shows improvement uh, which is great and and it is a necessary part of successful running like you do need it but we 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 all get competitive and, and obsessive about it and um it almost like like what it says on our watch dictates how we feel about our run and so we lose that like real presence and feel of how hard that effort actually should have been um and we let it get the better of us like we emotionally get attached to what the numbers are going to say on Strava and um, then we, you know, time and time again, just small, small times, like each, each day or each week, there's, you know, just little moments where we just let those num numbers um, dictate our training decisions or dictate, yeah, what we do. And um, yeah, I think, I think there's definitely a binary bias towards um, uh, that quantitative side of the sport. Um, and we need to, you know, have a few runs where we take the watch off and, um and just like go through the motions and who cares if you do some six minute Ks, if that's what you need, that's what you need. Um, and, and if you need a run just to clear your head, like go for it. Um, and if you need a run because you're just really tired um, and you just sort of amble along, but then two days later you feel better for it because you've actually listened to where your body's at. Um, and it's that same message, but like, how do we get people to actually take that message on board? Because people nod your head when they, when you talk like this, and they understand, but like, how do we actually get people to buy into it? Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a topic you're pretty passionate about. I know you and Chris, I talk about a lot is that, that training by feel and that concept of, 
yeah, listening to your body and, and like you mentioned, yeah, having those runs without the watch. And, you know, we are, we have so many things that measure like our lives day in, day out. And we just, we're so connected to tech. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, it's, um, it's a really, it's a, it's, as a coach personally, I think it's a really challenging um, message to get across to athletes because they really do, it's like, finding that balance because you do have workouts where we do set paces and we want to know where you're at, but it's also around that. It's, it's not a hard line as to, okay, you didn't hit that pace today. So, you know, the workouts are right off, but like actually just getting all the background info and as to, you know, what happened during that session, you can still get a lot from it. Uh, and then those other days is, yeah, getting, getting athletes to sort of just really go by feel rather than trying to, to say run every run at the same pace each easy run and it's just it's not possible there's just too many other factors that um that come into each each run dane if you put your physio hat on for a second why is it important to run to feel i think um so there's a time where like say like you've got seven seven runs in the week or however many runs you do in the week there's going to be runs where you prioritize them and they're like, oh, okay, I'm got this goal. And my goal is, you know, say you, you want to, you've got a time goal. There's, there is a run where you objectively, you want to hit like a certain, certain pace. Um, but then all the runs around that, like if they're recovery in nature, then like there's so many other factors in life. Like at the moment, like if I was to use my example, cause it's just fresh and it's top of mind. Like if I was to use my own running this year as an example, um, every training session, I've got thumped by the kids that I coach. Like I'm out the back like, um, and, but I'm running to feel like I'm, mm. I'm just like, no, nah, I know cause I've run for 20 odd years. Like I know that this is the right effort. Like I can feel it. Like I'm breathing hard. It just feels hard. Like I don't need to try to keep up. Like I'll let them go. But then on race day, like, um, and they'll, they'll admit it like I've beaten them all on race day um mm. and th that's also there's a bit of feel to that as well like I've gone out at the right pace like I've mm. gone out 15 seconds slower than some of them because they've sort of let their um watch um and their emotions sort of get the better and they haven't felt it out like they've, they've they don't they're probably not used to running to feel <laughs> like they're mm. So like it's been able to be present in your body um, so that you pace it right in the race, but also you recover better because then you know the purpose of those recovery runs are recovery. So if you're governed by a certain window of splits that you should do, there's this every chance that you're training in that gray area and just, just amassing and accumulating fatigue over time. Um, there's too many other life factors you, you know, you might have a nine month old baby that you had no sleep last night. You're stressed with your business um, and you get to training and you've been um, coaching all day and you're just tired. And so you're not going to hit the splits, but you're still going to have the same training effect. And then there's that confidence of, of going, um, well, I know the effort was there. That's all I need. Like mm. I'm going to, I'm going to keep getting better. And there's going to be a week where I have good sleep and I feel on and I'm going to hit the splits, but it doesn't have to be every week. Um, yeah. Is there like that quiet confidence you have as well when you know that, okay, if you 
going to race day, you can go to another level because you haven't been dipping in every, you know, twice a week for the last six weeks. You've been going pretty much at 100 to 110%, like going to the well, going to the well, and then it's like race day. It's like, well, yeah, I, that's just the norm now. So whereas if you're just a little bit behind, holding yourself back, running within yourself in sessions, you can almost go, okay, I'm going to put it all out there and you just, uh, that's when I think back to when I um, was running my best, I always felt like you almost like have this thing where like, this is good feeling. I'm holding something back here in training because I can't wait to go to race day and let it all out. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's something I'm always trying to <laughs> try to harp onto my athletes about. Yeah. Like we don't need to, to absolutely bash these sessions or these, because you're going to get an opportunity um, on race day to really go for it. Well, like would, I'd be right if I said all three of us have overdone it in the past. Like, mm. like we've all done this before. Like, oh yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely on a yeah. regular basis. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I've had stress. I mean, you've seen me multiple times with stress reactions and fractures. Yeah, from, and it's just getting carried it. away. And um, think like I remember as a junior, just like going, "Oh no, I'm an exception to the rule. I can keep training hard because, like, you got to train hard to get better." But mm. like, there's just like yeah, the idea of training in fourth year and there are sessions where you can go to the well, but they're, they're um, few and far between and they're balanced and it's the timing of it so that you peak at the right time. Like it's um, that wave light training, like hard, easy, hard, easy, that yin and the gang. Like it's not mm-hmm. always like being obsessive about looking at the watch and we have to be so wired in. Like there's runs where you can just like smell the roses and just like enjoy yeah. it and um and uh yeah but that yeah i i guess um yeah i had to hear the message like this a lot of times and it wasn't until i just got fed up with underperforming and knowing that i could do better on race day and that's when it started to hit home so that's where i feel like there's that experiential effect that Mm. yeah okay we can say this a lot and a lot and hopefully it helps someone that listens but um and hopefully it gets them to start you know questioning you know, why they had a dub performance here and there, because, you know, maybe it was because of this over time. Um, and uh, maybe it starts to get them um, being uh, acknowledging the qualitative side of the sport and that feel side of the sport um, rather than the quantitative objective, um, uh, you know, what your, your Garmin says side of the sport. Mm. But also with people, you've got the, and, and I know you, you shared, um, you know, this is left brain versus right brain. And, you know, you, if you're working with athletes who, um, you know, are, are skewed towards one side and they want all the, the KPIs, they want to hit all the numbers. They, and that's, that's, I guess, as a coach, you have to, um, yeah, find that balance to <laughs> ensure that, yeah, they, they do, I guess get a little bit of that because you can't really say to someone who is wired that way or know that, you know, those numbers don't mean anything, but it's, I guess their relationship with it. And yeah, that's, that's, I guess where the art of coaching lies. Yeah. Like that's, that's exactly right. That um, knowing the individual in front of you and their strengths and weaknesses and where they sit on that continuum. And are they like far, far outlier, like way on one side and how can you keep them, like happy and and confident there by also integrating a little bit of like, you know, especially if you feel like they're, they're that bias towards that far end, 
is not serving them like how do you integrate a little bit of feel and enjoying each run and relaxing a bit more and um yeah acknowledging that side of the sport um uh, uh over time um and yeah that's that art of coaching you, you nailed it it's um everyone will be different and it's it's um listening to why they're like that like chris said um and um and, and trying to understand why and from their 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 shoes like why are they like that and mm. and then once you're sort of starting to understand that you can you can understand it yourself and then you can sort of work at like um better better i don't know like um in enforcing why your message is important because you can align it better mm. no it's um yeah, it's it, it is it's a fun part of it like i, I think it's really a fun and rewarding part about coaches at getting to work with different personalities and and learning along the way of, of how you both work and trying to yeah obviously get the get the best result but also yeah working out a way to ensure that you know, the training um, yeah is, is enjoyable and they can see the benefit from from different perspectives as well yeah for sure chris so you want to um you got any parting um any questions for Dana as we let him get back to the physio? No, I just want to say thank you. Um, I love listening to Dana. I just, mm. I, Zachary, I feel like we should be paying him to. Yeah, it's always <laughs> a great consult, like a yeah, PD for us. Oh, <laughs> I don't um, know. I feel like I've just been rambling. Um, <laughs> I'm glad, glad it was some, if you found it somewhat, somewhat useful. Um, um, I yeah. just love listening because yeah. I mean, you know, the experiences that you've had, mate, um, both in your physio. Um, and you're coaching you sort of work with a wide range of people from elite athletes all the way to kids just starting out on their journey and um, I know you're a very deep thinker as well so um, anytime we get to have a chat with you mate it's time well spent so yeah I just want to say thanks for giving up some of your day and, and having a chat to myself and Zaka. No, no well thanks Chris but like that's why I think um, like I like this topic because it's um, it's yeah the idea of um, yeah thinking thinking um yeah like i think it's the idea of like being in the sport for a while you see a lot of a lot of things and then um uh acknowledging that everyone's a little bit different and there's so many ways like you question like well, why did this person go well and they trained like that it's like so different but having that open mind like i'm trying to encourage more people to have mm. an open mind um because like there'll be a time where one way of thinking is good but then it like will become redundant so so it's just like keeping that open mind. Um, yeah, I think that's why like you see so much conflicting literature or or like stuff on Instagram or or social media. Um, and people are like um, kind of um, promoting one way of thinking and then the next way of thinking. I think they're all applicable. Everything works neatly um, um, at one point of time. Like there's all, there's relevance to everything. It's just, um, cohesively like um, knitting it together and and um, some things become redundant at one point and then you sort of shift your focus to certain aspects but always keep an open mind um, and uh, uh, because then you're more likely to um, yeah more likely to keep improving and um, uh, putting your best foot forward um, in this sport very good message and hey and just lastly mate your best place to find you you've got obviously so you got run culture dot org so is that the that's the best spot for people to jump on if they want to if they're in victoria want to come and see you face to face 
Yeah, yeah, runculture.org. And um, I've got a little online physio booking um, portal there. So I can see, I, I mean, I treated someone um, from the UK uh, this morning. And, oh, cool. um, yeah, and um, so, yeah, doing online um, telehealth appointments. Um, but yeah, seeing people just from my practice in Frankston as well. And you've also got the online strength and conditioning for runners. That's still that uh, video series that people can sign up to. That's, um, that's yeah. always, that's available. Yeah. There's a lot of um, videos on there. Um, uh, there's strength routines, mobility routines, um, and sort of coordination and activation routines um, from beginners to advanced um, uh, and all between so yeah it's awesome. that's been fun piecing together and mm. uh, yeah yeah we'll put all that in the notes and uh yeah thanks again dano no doubt we'll um we'll jump back on again and uh we'll, we'll deep dive into a, another couple of topics which will be fun uh, thanks zaka thanks chriso thanks, thanks mate, mate.